0: and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility. But what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox and I'm so excited to have Amy Stark on. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah I just got the chills so woo. <laughs> um, yeah well woo we are gonna talk all things woo woo now so just kind of introduce yourself and what your like profession is.
1: Sure. Um, So I am Amy Stark, and um, my uh, company is called Stark Transformation because I went through my own Stark transformation. So years ago, I was a science teacher working in an inner city school, um, helping high school students, and they they were classified with emotional disturbances. Now, this was a hard to staff school and um i picked this job because they were going to pay for my masters degree <laughs> um so it was like i thought maybe it would be a good idea and it really truly in the end was because i learned so much about myself but boy did they kind of destroy me um i was so stressed out that i actually after 4 years had to leave um and just like rearrange my whole life and um it, i felt like that was really unfortunate because i actually wound up having a psychology degree when i went to syracuse university and throughout that time period I was like like trying to understand my childhood you know like understanding the role of thinking and things like that but nobody prepared me for working for the with these students right so I, I was like thrown in there and with like no skill and I was completely stressed out and then I had to walk away and I'm like you know what I want to spend the rest of my life teaching people how to have more resilience right um, how do you master your thoughts how do you get healthier because working in that situation, I was living in fight or flight the like for four years. So it destroyed my body. And then after I got well, so I, I found meditation. That's so I went from science teacher to like, woo woo pretty quickly nice. because, um, I was just so stressed out that my friend was like, Hey, why don't you try meditation? And I was like, too proud to be like, no. Um, <laughs> So I, I had been, um, a soccer player for 25 years. So I was like, Amy, it's, this can't be that hard, you know, like you should be able to do meditation. It's just sitting on a couch, um, for, and I was like, all right, you can do 15 minutes. So once I did that, I realized, first of all, how many negative thoughts I had, how stressed out I really was, how my life hadn't gone in the direction that I had wanted and how much I thought about my grocery list. <laughs> like it was ridiculous. Um, so I was like, how do I manage this? So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to chip away at it each day. I'm going to get up and I'm going to deal with one of these things because I got so sick of hearing the same thoughts over and over again. And if anybody's heard of Joe Dispenza, he talks about that. Like your thoughts are 90% the same every single day. Yeah. So if they aren't working for you, like you've got to change them. And the only way to figure out what thoughts you have is to actually get quiet and like listen to them. So that's what got me on my journey. I, um, I was a science teacher who I actually was very ill most of my life. So I still was ill while I was working um, at the school, but got a lot sicker because I just, the stress just really tanked my immune system. So I was searching for ways and thankfully found meditation and then realized, oh, I can do these other things. Um, I started seeing energy. I started seeing spirits. (laughs) I started, I mean, it went way wacky, way fast. Um, I was able to, um, to like, uh, see things unfold in the future and then they would happen. And that was starting to freak me out. So I quickly was like, either I'm losing my mind or I need to dive into the science. So I went back and I found, thank God, um, a book by Bruce Lipton, and it was um, called The Biology of Belief. And he was talking about how the cells, you know, communicate through energy and the energy is uh, what makes up your Oric field, right? Mm -hmm. So you're you have 37 trillion cells. Some people even think like 70 trillion cells, right? And they're all, you know, sending these signals out. So you're just one big antenna walking through the world, sensing the world. And so this is where I started feeling, okay, so something must be happening. Oh, I gotta tell you specifically the day that I realized that I could connect with other people. And I'm really just somebody who can is like I'm like the canary in the coal mine. Like Everyone senses everyone else mm-hmm. all the time. Like you, you know, it when you walk into a room, um, you can sense whether the vibe is good or not. You can sense if somebody just had an argument, it just feels weird. Right. Mm-hmm. It feels like you could cut the tension with a knife. So I, I, this is my example of how much you can really just connect with anyone and anything. So I was sitting on my couch. Now, mind you, I just started meditating because I was completely stressed out. Um, and then I started feeling better. And then, um, while I was meditating this one day, I thought of my twin sister and all of a sudden my eyes started burning. So I was like, that's weird. So I opened my eyes and I was like, huh, they seem fine. So I closed them. And then again, they were, um, burning and I was like, what the heck is going on? So I opened them. They're fine. So I was like, "Who was I just thinking about?" And it was my twin sister Sarah. So I called her up and I was like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And she was like, "Oh, I have a double pink eye infection." <laughs> and I was like, "No way!" I'm like, "That's what it felt like. I had sand in my eyes." So um, the next day, I'm meditating and my tooth starts hurting, and I think, "Oh, oh, this is the same thing that happened yesterday." So I'm like, "Who was the last person I thought of?" It was my dad. So I call my mom. I'm like, Hey mom, how is dad doing? And she's like, Oh, he's at the dentist right now. Last night he bit down on a Walnut and broke his tooth. So I was like, what is going on? So yeah. that's when I started realizing that there was the science that I had to start paying attention to because one, it was really neat to know what was going on in somebody else's body from afar. But it also was really scary because I didn't want to walk around thinking I had pink eye or that my tooth had something wrong with it. Right. Yeah. So I had to learn some tools to like sort through this energy. And now 16 years later, it's like awesome because I can help people to transform their lives so quickly because I've, I've tuned this whole vessel up. So, um, you know, perfectly (laughs) that I can sense the, the, the energy and I don't have to feel it in my body for any length of time. And then I can help people to get to the next level so that they can see things that are basically invisible to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. So, let's step back a little bit. I've got two questions for you. Sure. Um just for people who are stepping into this um getting in tune with their body, right? So, we talk a lot about intuition, and I say people that you really need to tap into your body and how it feels to um get the answers that you need to make these big decisions in your life, you know, whether it's IVF, IUI, you know, whatever it is, right? No one has the answer for you. Only you have the answer. And if you tune into your body through slowing the fuck down, which includes meditation, yeah, you can actually listen to your body and it will tell you. So my first question is, do you think the illnesses, the physical illnesses that we're dealing with shut off that connection for
1: us? Um, I, to our intuition, you mean? Yeah.
0: Just to like the intuition to like- so
1: I, I really am a strong believer in the fact that our body is always speaking to us. Mm-hmm. So when we have symptoms, they are usually the result of trauma that we have um, had happened to us in the past. So whether it's mental, physical, or spiritual, um, where we just we can feel like not connected to someone, and like um, like for instance our own mother, that can cause a whole slew of trauma yeah. within our body, and then creates um, ways of seeing the world, which then will, um, cause what I call like, you know, the, your parasympathetic or your sympathetic nervous system to be on. Mm-hmm. So you're vigilant. So, you know, the things that happened to us in the past, create how we see the future or how we act in the present moment.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so we want to go back and look at our past and, um, through meditation or something like with EFT, are you familiar with EFT? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with EFT, we can clear some of that energy that's still in our space, trying to keep us safe. So, um, like, cause then we might develop like a a relationship where we're afraid of our mother, right. If she was really horrible to us, but maybe we can forgive her because at the time certain things were happening and now she's a different person, but like, we want to be able to uh, trust our body. So if our body is, um, giving us a sense that, you know, something is unsafe. We want to listen to that first, because we aren't going to make a lot of progress with our health until we feel safe. We need to be in the parasympathetic nervous system, which is where we rest, digest and heal. That's Mm -hmm. where we are going to have the most access to our intuition. And we're also going to be the healthiest. Yeah. So our, our immune system is way better. It's actually on and functioning and things like that when we're, um, in the parasympathetic. So we're in rest, digest, and heal. Yeah. So uh, yes, those things can get in the way, but it's more of like looking more closely at why you've created those things have happened. Like for instance, yeah. asthma can be is is located in the lungs and there's a, um, correlation to somebody who's experienced grief. Uh, a lot of grief and it being stuck there, so like the energy isn't—you can imagine the energy isn't moving as as well there because um, this thing has happened. Like they've gone through a divorce, you know. They might have um, also the breasts are right there, so it could be right after a major divorce somebody gets breast cancer because their heart was broken in this area, just was not thriving. So we've learned through um, science that actually um, when our heart energy or our heart chakra, we call it in the woo woo way is not, um, is not functioning properly. The rest of the body struggles because it's like the, of the conductor of the orchestra that is your body. Mm -hmm. So, um, paying attention to these heartbreaks that you go through in life is really important and to release them and forgive. And, you know, you can forget, but like it's just important to <laughs> calm down your nervous system. You can remember things that happened to you, but you really need to clear how your nervous system remembered the moment because that's what's hijacking you. That's what's keeping you from having your, you know, your intuition or your health, really. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. I totally forgot my second question now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's so hard for people to kind of start connecting that their body is, like you said, this beacon. And it's almost, I mean, the ego is protecting you so much. And when you're trying to explain to them, like, look, you have the power, like you maybe didn't ask for these things, you didn't do these things to yourself. But you have to take accountability that these things happen and it's your responsibility to start shifting them. Because even if it was, you know, quote unquote, damage done by other people, places, things, those, those objects can't come back and heal that for you. Like it's a personal journey to do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really hard for, um, us as women who already feel broken, we already feel like our bodies betrayed us because we can't get pregnant to really stand up for ourselves and go, okay, let me tune into this vessel because your body is not portraying you. You just haven't like learned to utilize it to its best ability and if you start clearing those things out, it just, I mean, you're like, your story is like crazy extreme. I've got to admit. like, <laughs> Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I haven't really encountered someone. I, that wasn't my personal journey with meditation either. So everyone just please be warned that that's not, that
1: <laughs> this is my, unlikely. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my lot in life is to experience the most extreme things. Um, In in that way, um. But here, this it's very very simple, and I'm just gonna bring it down to a level that like anybody can really understand. Ninety percent of all illness is um from stress, Mm -hmm. okay? According to the CDC, so this is not me making it up. Um, so. If that's true, what is stress? So as Monica and I were talking before the podcast started, like there's the physical stress. And a lot of us, you know, we're very well-versed, especially if you're on a fertility journey, like what are the physical things that I need to do? Um, Maybe stop eating gluten, maybe stop having dairy, you know, take the supplements, whatever, even maybe meditate and exercise. Those are all like physical things that you could do for your body. However, when we start to move towards what else causes stress, we start to realize that our thoughts cause us a lot of stress. So we have uh, roughly 6,000 thoughts a day. And then we have some at night. Okay. Like probably another 6,000 who knows. <laughs> um, and you know, all those thoughts, most of them are negative They're mm-hmm. and they're repetitive. Mm-hmm. So, so when I realized this, I was like, I've been doing everything right, except for this piece. And I was like, no wonder why my body can't receive the nutrients that I am putting in. No wonder why I'm not making the progress that I need to be making. It's because my brain is telling me I'm unsafe. Yeah. So the the thoughts were stressful, but they were triggered by beliefs that I had because of experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. So once we start looking into those um, experiences, we start to realize, okay, how can I reframe this? This is why mindset is so important. I, I choose radical responsibility over my life. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. It sucks. It really sucks. It does suck. <laughs> it's hard to hear. It Believe does. I was angry when I first mm-hmm. like heard this idea. And I was like, I didn't create these things. But the way that I look at it is this. I unconsciously created them because I wasn't paying attention to my body and what it needed at the time. And if I take full responsibility for that, I now become an empowered person who can create their life. If I don't take responsibility for it, I become a victim and I don't have uh, any say over my circumstances. I can't change my life if I'm a victim to it. Other people can. Mm-hmm. right? So I prefer to take ownership of my life. So I take radical responsibility and then it empowers me to see the world the way that I want to see it. So in order to do that, there are some, uh, obviously some awareness of our thoughts and what's holding us back, but also something like EFT is great at helping to move out that trauma that happened to us that we may not even remember yeah. because most of our programming comes from the ages of zero to seven. Where our parents are likely raising one or two or maybe even three kids, so like we're you know like uh, it's so funny because I recently had this conversation with my older sister. So there's a 20 year span in my family. There's six kids. I'm in the middle with a twin sister. So I basically raised myself. (laughs) But my older sister is like, mom was so great. Like she was, she made us clothes and like you know I took us to the park all the time. I'm like, she read stories to us. I'm like, I don't know who that mom is. Like I that's why I joked that on my podcast that I was raised by wolves because like, I mean, it was like every man for himself. So my reticular activating system. So my view of the world, that's actually in your brain. It's a lens that you see the world was survival. Yeah. Constantly like, and it was like, get the approval of other people, make sure that they want to keep you around, make sure they invite you with them because Otherwise you're going to be left behind, which I was often Mm -hmm. because I was just, I was quiet. I I wasn't trying to rock the boat. So I developed a lens that I saw the world where I wanted to please other people, where I wanted to fit in, where I wanted to um, make other people comfortable when I felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting that we do that as women? We're like, oh, you be comfortable, Mm -hmm. but we are very uncomfortable. And it's like, wait a second. And you don't have any guarantee that that person's even going to be comfortable. Um, so what I do is I turn inward and I say, what makes Amy happy? You know, um, how can I, you know, be the light that I am in this world without apologizing. Right. Like I say some crazy stuff. That's my lot in my life in life. You know, I went from science teacher to healer. That is a dra- dramatic shift. Um, And part of who it's part of who, sorry, part of what makes me who I am, you know, is that I'm willing to stay curious, which is actually part of the parasympathetic nervous system. When you stay curious, you are looking for answers. You're looking for how things are happening for you rather than to you. That's a huge mindset shift that I made. Again, that's part of that radical responsibility I'm um, like, how can this, like, for instance, I had asthma, how can asthma be working for me? Like, what is it trying to tell me mm-hmm. by being there? Oh, asthma is part of grief, grief that was passed on from my mother when I was in utero. I mean, mm-hmm. she had lost another baby, um, right before me. So, and then she wound up naming me that baby. So every time she looked at me, she was, you know, probably thinking of that grief, right. Mm-hmm. And didn't have time to process it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because she was raising two other kids and then had twins and then got pregnant with another one. And then he was just 18 months younger than me. So there's, there's so much that happens um, when we're growing up. And again, like I said, it's from the ages of zero to seven that we create this way that we see the world. But I, I like meditation, like I told you, but EFT finds that energy, no matter what it is, you do not need to recall what it was and why you see the world that way. If you do enough tapping, you will shift what's called your reticular activating system. And you will see the world differently. I don't see it through the lens of survival anymore. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a people pleaser. I'm not a perfectionist. Cause that's the next thing that comes along is like, Oh, now I'm really good at people pleasing. I'm going to just try to beat everybody to the punch and get it done and be it, it be better than anybody else ever expected, you know, all that. And then the stress that I was under, it was incredible, mm-hmm. but it was degrading my life. And it, I wasn't who I really wanted to be. All of a sudden I was like, wait a second, I'm not doing what I want to be doing for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's like almost 100% of people dealing with fertility issues as well. I mean, it's a highly populated group of women who are super type A, um, overachievers, always have to be doing, and are literally just in flight or flight, and probably since like like you say, the age of five, right? And they know no other way. And, um, the radical responsibility when you're dealing with fertility issues is like a game changer,
1: mm-hmm. right? Because
0: you're the only one who will fight the hardest for yourself. And the only reason I had the success that I had was because I was just unwilling to listen to all the naysayers. Like, no, you can't do this. Well, let me, let me prove you wrong, which probably wasn't like the best option, like way to go at things. But, um, And then like you say, and this is a big part of like my coaching and I'm sure with you too, is like, it's not what's happening right now. What happened in the past that got you here? And let's start looking at that because that's what's going to shift what's happening now. And in all physical, mental, spiritual ways, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. When I work with clients, um, especially when they come and find me, cause they've heard of me. Um, usually they think I'm going to wave like a magic wand. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that I, mm-hmm. because I would be cheating you out of the whole story and journey that you're on, um, about what you need to know to heal. Yeah. So I, I mean, I being, so I'm gay, I have a wife and, you know, we've had a interesting fertility journey. Um, and so I'm familiar with it and, um, it, it is really, really difficult and there is a lot of trauma and there is a lot to rewrite and reprogram and release. Um, so it, yeah, I, I feel for anybody on that journey. Um, it, there is just, it's really a lesson of letting go.
0: Yeah. And it was funny. I just did a a podcast interview before this on another gentleman's podcast. And he said uh, something like, oh, don't, don't give up. And I was like, no, we don't really use that term. It's more surrender. It's, we have to learn to surrender to these things because we're basically blocking ourselves because we're holding on to the past, to our identity of, you know, fertility issues. And once you're able to surrender to those things, I think that's when the big shifts start to come.
1: Right. So you, you brought up something really important. When we talk about identity, when, when we're trying to change our identity, we mm-hmm. naturally turn on our fight or flight, Mm -hmm. because if we change our identity, this is from programming many millions of years ago, we might not have a tribe that we fit in and therefore we'd probably die. Mm -hmm. So our brain is like, no, we don't change our identity. We don't know who we fit in with, like this might be dangerous and deadly. Um, So we have to override that. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's why I love transformation because it's every transformation is a death of the old to bring into the new. So it, we need to leave that identity of, um, I am infertile or whatever, mm-hmm. or I, you know, I can't get pregnant. We have to leave that behind in order to welcome in this new understanding of things are happening for me. And what it makes you feel like a kid at Christmas is like, Oh, what, why is this happening? Like, for instance, for me, I'll share this. Um, so I got pregnant immediately with my first son, um, through IUI it was actually on the second try. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. Then of course we had a lot of problems towards the end of, of my pregnancy, um, where I had preeclampsia and things like that. And then we wanted to try for another baby and I couldn't get pregnant and we tried and we tried and we tried and we tried. And, um, eventually I got to this point of like, what is this all about? Like, why am I going through this journey? And it was, um, for me, I learned so much about my health. I, I actually probably saved my life through my fertility journey. So for me, I'm like, wow, I, while I did not get that second child because we, my wife is a lot older and we just decided that it's taken too long, that we were just going to stop. I saved, I do believe I saved my life or at least saved myself from a lot of really bad things happening because uh, my body had crazy amounts of carcinogenic estrogen, which I had no clue about you know, and then various other things happened because I had preeclampsia and things like that. But through that journey, I've learned a lot about cleaning up my own health, but then I've shared it with others. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, that's, that was the role that this played in my life. And I can see that.
0: Yeah. And it's hard when you're going through it to realize that that is what it's going to be. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, all the listeners, you know, pretty much know my journey, but. I feel 100% the same way. I'm almost grateful for my infertility now because it saved my life. It saved my health. And on top of that, it increased... The chances of my sons to live a better life as well, because I cleaned up my shit
1: mm-hmm. before
0: they were um, conceived, and then I lived a certain lifestyle during their my pregnancies, and then they were they're being raised a certain way, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well, mm-hmm. which I think um, a lot of people who well, I don't, I don't know if it's a male or female thing. I know we kind of generalize males to be more like silent and cut off from their emotions, but uh, the fact of the matter, I was silent and cut off from my emotions too. So I've had to learn to release all that and not bring on that generational trauma to my sons. Mm. And I'm kind of teaching my husband now to do it in his own way, right? Like he's not on the same path as I am, but he is aware that, okay, there was some shit I got from my dad, from my mom. And I see how I'm putting that onto my children now. And I don't want to do that. Um, So I think if you can get your head wrapped around of like going back to intuition and your body telling you, I personally think that fertility issues is your body saying, I'm not healthy enough to grow another human being and keep you alive at the same time because we've taken fertility for granted and we should you it really should right like it should be a a natural process but through the generations it's completely changed now and uh, we just don't see the importance i mean even your story about how your mother passed on that grief in utero i mean it starts that early right Mm -hmm. and we don't understand that. And, and I know in my journey, and I don't know if you got to this point too, in your life where I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like I had happy, healthy parents. They were around. They kept a a roof over my head. I had food on the table. Um, They didn't beat me. They didn't sexually abuse me. Like what's wrong with me? And it was kind of this weird, like realization of like, oh, okay. But there was neglect. They were functioning alcoholics, you know, um, you know, all these little things that you start putting together and you, you, it's not like you want the justification of like how you're feeling, but you understand it and then you can start moving through it. And I think too, you can have the compassion for the people who maybe did you wrong or, you know, contributed to whatever was going on of like, I can now look at my parents and go, I get, I understand And I love you. And I'm grateful that you tried your best through Mm. what you were going through. Like, how could you show me love or give me love when you didn't even love yourself?
1: Right. 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 Yeah, it's there's so many great things that you just said, like, (laughs) really, truly, I mean, one is definitely the fertility journey, or sorry, I should say infertility journey um, creates babies that are different. It's just the way that it is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's when you look at it, like a baby that just was like, whoops, we got pregnant, you know, you're like, it's like so hard for us to understand that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus somebody who has been planning and saving and taking the supplements and creating that space for that new child and every time i look at my son i'm like you are such a miracle versus like this oh my gosh wow maybe they think the baby's a miracle but at the same time it's like well how special is that to that person versus for what we've gone through mm-hmm. i don't know um but so that changes everything in how you raise your children and also like you were saying you started realizing like i i have this intergenerational trauma and i don't want to give this to my kids like there's more awareness around this Um, because it's not so easy and we only really grow as humans when we're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and when things aren't working out, we start thinking, okay, what can I do? Like what could be getting in the way? And, um, you know, when I look at my parents, the same thing, like I was like, you guys were doing the best with what you had, you know, at the time, like our, our parents weren't, um, taught to process their emotions, right? <laughs> like I only recently was thinking about how I remember my mom in like the nineties talking about self-help and being like, like, Yeah. Right. Does self-help like, you know, like those are just for like the crazy people, but it's like, now it's becoming so much more normal. And we talk about mental health and we talk about this, um, you know, trauma that we may have experienced. And I think a lot of people think that they didn't experience trauma. Like you said, you know, I had a roof over my head, they fed me, blah, blah, blah. But the other things are really important, like feeling safe with, um, your connection with your mom, whether it's in a strong attachment, attachment, a secure one or an insecure one is a big deal. Yeah. And like feeling like I need to prove that I can be here is another thing. (laughs) Like, um, you know, I work with people whose moms, you know, couldn't show, Um, because they got pregnant early or back in the day, they were supposed to be as tiny as possible, you know? And so then the baby's like gets this sense. I shouldn't take up space. And then all of a sudden in life, they're always trying to accommodate everybody else. Yeah. It's so it's, it is like that, you know, mm-hmm. it truly comes from starting in utero. And even before then, like eggs are created in the fourth month of a baby. Right. Yeah. So you were in your grandmother, yeah. right. Cause you know, um, you mom, you were in your mom and your mom was in your grandmother and she and whatever you get it <laughs> i got it yeah yeah <laughs> but like you at the very least you've experienced that trauma but they do think that i mean based on animal studies like that this kind of stuff is transferred from generation to generation
0: yeah and, and it's i does to, to change it yeah and i mean just with bruce lipton's work and i mean even uh dr joe dispenza now like they're scientifically proving this stuff now that your genetics carry this stuff and it's passed down and um it is such a big mind shift to get around right like it is um when you know i don't really talk about these things like with my brother or with my dad right they're like get the straight jacket on her she's crazy um but it's really funny i was with my dad He, he was in hospital and we were uh watching he's big into sports and um you know something you know kind of said about mindset and how these pro athletes really just look at the big ultimate get you know pitcher he's like oh yeah maybe I should start using mindset for my golf and instead of looking at the water I'll look at the hole and I just wanted to go yeah dad you can do that with your whole fucking life right like your <laughs> health you're like, you know, like uh- <laughs> not just so sports good. right but We are going to stop that recording right there because we just had a great time talking and just continued on. So tune in next week for the second half.